0: And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code Nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.comslash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode this is a headgum podcast
1: fake the nation episode 371 hello hello and welcome to another episode of
2: fake the nation uh, i am of course not nagin farsad she is on assignment and if you want to hear her this week uh you can tune into wait wait don't tell me uh, on npr wherever all your favorite npr things are listened to uh I am Benari Bolton, your lovable guest host for this uh, episode. And I have assembled an all star team uh, because, you know, we owe it to you, the listeners, to really put together a top notch show. So, uh, first up, I'm going to try and live up to Nagin's uh, outstanding intros. She is world renowned for how she intros people. So, let me just say our first guest that I'm going to introduce legendary comedian co-creator of the daily show she is an author she is a phenomenal human being and she is going to uh tell you about all her activism and everywhere that she tours around the country because this is the
3: legendary liz winstead oh my god that is a lot of (laughs) buildup. that was impressive i like the end to the crescendo you know kind of went into like FM radio puker guy.
2: That's right. It's it you know it's a fine line between like uh, podcasting and morning morning FM radio guy. Yeah, like hey, like yeah, let's go to the weather. Hey. How's that traffic morning. going? Prank,
1: <laughs>
2: uh, And speaking <laughs> speaking of morning,
1: speaking of puking.
2: <laughs> no, this next guy will never make you puke, and I can almost guarantee that. Uh, this is another. This is uh, basically a a a New York institution, uh, 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 another legendary comedian. Uh, just, you've seen him on television. You've seen him touring around the country. You have listened to him on some of your favorite podcasts and, and on the radio. You can catch him live and you should because this is the
1: legendary Christian Finnegan. Thank thank you, Benari. It Just FYI, it's quite likely you've done none of those things. <laughs> uh, you've not seen me on TV, nor have you seen me around the country. But I appreciate, uh, I pre- first of all, I want to say I appreciate the intro, and I also appreciate that you're saying everything in a Nagin cadence. I don't know I'm, if you just, noticed the hello, hello, like you did the whole Farsad experience. I I
2: try and be an ally, I'm just in a, in, a, in a world of Barbies. I'm trying to be in an, an Alan here and all just right. really, you know, I'm just a caretaker for her show and, and given the audience. But, but I will say I have seen you live in other uh, places and I have listened Same. to you and I have watched you. So maybe Same. I'm just speaking you. for myself. Hey, I'm just speaking for myself.
3: So everyone on this podcast, Christian, <laughs> has participated in all of the comedy stylings that are you.
2: Oh, God, I'm so sorry. 100%. 100%. My, my condolences. Just un, unofficial polling, 100%. All right. Uh, and well. that's that's going to get us into uh and this is a, you know, very light topic we're going to start with. Topic number 1. The Georgia indictments are here. They've been here for a little bit and boy, it's the gift that just keeps on giving. This is a big week for the Georgia indictments on Thursday. Uh the Don himself, Donald J Trump will be turning himself in uh to Georgia authorities. This is his fourth uh, indictment. That's fun. Uh John Eastman has turned himself in and there was a little bit of a back and forth because he was uh he had to interrupt his disbarment hearing to go to his indictment hearing. Yeah. So that's a fun little thing. Um and uh, you know, this is an interesting thing and I think we can just get into it because, you know, some of the indictments start blending together. This particular Georgia indictment is a Rico case. And this is uh this is really about um the, the overall conspiracy to interfere with uh, a democratic election and uh the slate of fake electors that were put together to uh illegally steal an election uh and subvert uh the the democratic Can process you legally
3: steal an election uh, you know what? Fun- I feel like we don't need to say illegally stolen elections. <laughs> Funny you You're should like- say that because I feel like I've
2: been through a couple of legally stolen elections. Yeah, I mean, uh, that does two thousand four. Two thousand 2004, 2000,
3: <laughs> 2004
2: uh, come to yep. mind. But but this, w- this was just blatantly illegal.
3: Yeah, this was just illegally stolen.
2: And I think, you know, but that brings up a great point because I think, This is one of the reasons why Donald Trump is so mad is he picked up the phone and did what Republicans used to do, which is just like, hey, can you find me a few votes? And they wouldn't do it for him, Uh, (laughs) you know, but but beyond that, they, they really went all out. They didn't just do the little like, hey, we'll fight it in public opinion, get a bunch of people mad and then, you know, campaign on it. No, they put together slates of fake electors in different states had them sworn in, had them sign official documents, which which is a felony, uh, and also, you know, they had lawyers going to bat to try and uh, coerce and strong arm, uh, you know, elected officials into decertifying the 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 legal results and then putting in their own certification. Uh, so, Liz, let's uh, let's throw it to you. Why is this indictment different from all other indictments? <laughs>
3: Well, I think that because, you know, this was a, this was a massive breach of Canva. You know, people were just designing documents on Canva, fake, <laughs> just, you know, I'm like, this is not. <laughs> um, the craftsmanship so what, what I... is, is what the this The craftsmanship. Is yeah. I mean, I think that um, the subversion of election is, you know, it's this one and the federal charge, you know, they're treasonous, A, which is. Problematic for people, um, and B. I think what's unraveling in this is not only you know this started out the information we had about Georgia was Trump's phone call over and over again. Give me the eleven thousand seven hundred whatever it was votes, um, and then as we have as it's been revealed, um, you know we've seen exactly how much Eastman played a role in this, how much Rudy Giuliani p- played a role in this, how much seventeen other people who we've never heard of played a role in this, and. I don't know if you saw Eastman yesterday, but they were like, do you think the election was stolen still? And he's like, absolutely. Um, and so, I mean, I think what's good for the country is, A, he finally put on pants, <laughs> and B, um, the the disbarment uh, co-brand mm-hmm. is fun. Just, you know, I in. Mean, I'd like to come to the phone right now, but I'm in my disbarment <laughs> trial, and I'm in my um, indictment for overthrowing an election trial. I'll get back to you when I can.
1: Right. Christian? Uh, uh, Point of order. Uh, It was (laughs) Jeffrey Clark who had no pants on. John oh, it was please. Jeffrey please. Clark who had no pants uh, yes. on. Let's, I just, oh just in case, I'm you know, so in case sorry. the ombudsman uh, <laughs> jumps in and uh, takes us a task. We to task. Christian, thank
3: you. I forgot it was indeed Jeffrey yes. Clark. I mean, in,
1: the in case this podcast is admitted into evidence later, we want to make sure we cross all <laughs> our keys. There is
2: no disinformation or misinformation on Absolutely. this podcast. We yes. correct uh. errors in real time to give you <laughs>
3: all the
1: facts as we, as
2: we know them.
3: <laughs> I feel so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, John. Eastman.
1: There's something about those two chumps that I get mixed up in my mind all the time too, because you just know that they're these 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 two strivers. You know, the, these two guys who saw an opening and yeah. saw like like a, a chance to hit the big time. I mean, I might be projecting a lot, but that's how it feels with both of those guys. That they were kind of you know established, semi respectable dudes in their field. But it was a limited field, but they saw an option. And that, that to me is like Trump's big, su- I don't know if you want to call it superpower or fatal flaw or whatever, is that he, he, he inspires the venalness within the soul of every person he encounters. And every person sees him as a shortcut to greatness and power. If, if only they can just get rid of their gag reflex they are able like they see him as like a fucking a water slide to importance <laughs> you know you know
3: but but John Eastman though like that dude is just like while he see like they keep saying that he was like you know he was at a white glove law firm it's like he clerked for Clarence Thomas right. dude knows from payoffs and bribes and garbage like he's just trafficking and going up the ladder of of just Throwing the nation under the bus. Well, and
2: I, I think that this is actually an interesting thing. You know, Christian, like you were saying, a lot of these guys seem to be in sort of shoot the moon
1: mode. Dude, I, like, I've used the term did, shoot the moon so many times you know, with regards where it's to this like, whole It's so
2: unlikely, generation. but yeah. if we win, we we literally have an autocracy and a dictatorship where it, we're and the three, three in guys in are in for a charge. penny,
1: in for a pound at this point. Yeah. You know, so it, the John Eastman thing, it totally makes sense to me that he would say, oh, I, I absolutely think it was stolen because like, what's what he going to say now? Yeah. There's nothing to doing... be gained for him to, to recant that. And so right. you're in it. You, you've made your decision and you know I, I I understand it on some you know, and I think with a lot of these uh, you know um the, the the electors and the fake electors and all that, I think a lot of these people have spoken in bad faith for so long they can't mm-hmm. comprehend that anyone would be able to tell the difference or wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to tell the difference, that's like, right, like. I think to a lot of the rank and file is like, oh, you thought you were, we were serious about this? Like, don't you realize this is a tactic? That's all this is? This is just literally a tactic? Well, well and I, yeah. I I was going to say, I think I, I've actually talked to Benari about this
3: a lot. Um, and part of what I think has just destroyed America is that we have removed – people's connection to process with, from their daily lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, for example, like people are impatient when, when, you know, the affordable healthcare plan didn't work and right away and blah, 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 you know, and I think they don't understand the legal process and that things take a long time. So I think that part of their, they've just gotten away with things for so long is really that sometimes this shit takes a long time to actually bring people to justice so they become lazy and think I can get away with anything so I'm going to keep criming but like not understanding that people are following you the whole time you assholes no. <laughs> like, yeah and eventually i think that
2: that their sloppiness and their brazenness is mm-hmm. is what's going to it's not like these were secret phone calls they did it on television they did it to people's faces because they they because they've been doing this for so long and there have been no repercussions that nothing really, you know, they were they were like whatever. The worst case scenario is we just try it again in four years. You know, I'm, right, I'm sure right. a lot of that is what's going on because this is the this is the playbook. And what's interesting about this particular one and why it's kind of funny that this is Georgia is the Georgia <laughs> the Georgia laws, not for good reasons, um, are actually very onerous. Once you're in the legal, like once you get caught up in being charged in Georgia. It's not great because one, this isn't federal; this is state. So this can't be. This can't even be pardoned by another Republican president. They would need some. You know, the they would need Georgia to pardon them on the state level. But Georgia is one of the few states where the governor doesn't have the power to do that. There's a separate council created, and sure, it's appointed by a governor, etc. But there's more of a process because. In Georgia, they want to keep people in jail. <laughs> and they may make the process so long is they want they want to make sure that even if you go through that process, you're going to do jail time. This is not a friendly state for doing crime. Um, and also, this is under RICO for those out there who don't know what RICO is. It's the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Uh, and it's from the 70s. It was initially used to get Organized crime. This is how they went after the mafia. This is how they went after the mob. And uh, then it was it was later uh, used to go after corrupt officials and things like that. Because of course, if you're a corrupt official, you're probably using the same mafia playbook and operating in multiple states. In Georgia, there's less of a threshold. The federal threshold for RICO is I think you need to the crime actually had to have happened or something. But in Georgia, just tr- the attempt is enough to. For for Rico, so the threshold for proving the guilt is far lower in Georgia. Um, it's much, uh, it, it's you have a better shot of of nailing people. And also when you go when you have a when you have a Rico case, this is like the mob how you get people to flip on the top guy. Rico is what you use when you want to go after the guy at the top. And I think that you're running out of guys just below Donald Trump. Uh, to flip, I think John Eastman's basically like your last wall, and Rudy Giuliani. These are your like last guys before you just get to to the dawn. Do you think this is this is it? This is the one.
1: So I, I love that like that Rico <laughs> is, is such. It's almost like the legal version of fan service. You, you know, the, for so long, you've seen people like screaming, "Is this Rico?" Like, like you know, people talk about Rico for like the last three years. People talk about Rico, 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 and it's kind of like when you're watching some stupid like Star Wars, you know, third tier Star Wars show, and like that's the character that the nerds all love. You know what I mean? Like that this is like you know, it's so like it's, an Easter egg for yeah, longer. Ex- exactly, exactly for uh, for the for the Mueller she wrotes out there. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a uh, Christmas for Resistance libs, of uh, <laughs> which I'm sort of. One. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all watch all the Star Wars specials. We get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I I follow a lot of those big, you know, the the sort of resistance liberal accounts. I follow them the same way that I watch the Star Wars shows, where it's like. All right, fine, sure. <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a sense of exhaustion about it, but um, but but anyway, it's it, it really does feel like. Kind, and sorry, I'm really finding all my nerd uh, associations now. You know how like when you're playing like Grand Theft Auto or something like that, you need like the fast car, but you also need like the powerful car. Like you need the various things. It feels like we have one of every kind of lawsuit. Liz, yeah. do you think? Do you think that this is a case of there's so many crimes
2: they did so much crime in that no one expected them to be charged with all the crimes. But now that they've been charged with all the crimes, one of them's got to hit.
3: I mean, you got to hope. <laughs> hope. I'm going to hope. I'm going to hope. And I'm going to hope only because, um, you know, we saw justice be done when Trump was challenging the election results. We saw the right. court saying nothing nefarious happened. You bloated yak. What is wrong with you? Right. Um, And so... um. But that's, it's super hard to be optimistic about anything. And I really want to be, but um, I just don't know. But just because when I hear, you know, from the circuit courts, the federal courts, um, what their interpretation of what is constitutional and the bastardization of the 14th Amendment and what all of this means, um, I just don't even trust the interpretation of a court system that is looking at this. So- I want to be hopeful, but also I'm just like um I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the moral what the moral foundation of a, of of humanity is anymore, so I'm Nancy negative. But I want to believe, but I just am having a hard time.
1: I I think it's important for, you know, democrats, anyone who's not a maga person who, you know, what do you want to lump in the never Trumpers or, you know, the never Trump Republicans or whatever. I think it's really important to not try to be too clever about this. Mm. Is not to yeah. Not yeah. try to finesse this, not to be like, well, this is the case we should be focusing on. And, you know, you know, let's let's forget about, you know, brag, you know, the New York case, whatever. It's like these are laws. They've been broken. Follow it through, you know, and just not try to finesse it and try to be too smart. And like Democrats have a habit of doing that, trying to get like lowercase p political about these things and strategic just don't because nobody knows how the politics is actually going to play out nobody knows how it's going to happen so you may as well just do the right thing i i've always have the policy that that honesty is easier to remember and and sort of doing things directly is just easier than trying to take a guess how the 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 general public is going to consume events
3: well and also it just feels like um, I don't know that there is a point where anybody who is um part of the MAGA cult cares what happens. That's right. So it's really about people who believe in um, a sense of justice and humanity and our constitution, right? Um, and so that's why Christian, what you said is right. See it through. See what happens. And um. And then I always want to know exactly where I stand. So I do want to hear bigots speak. I do want to hear <laughs> white supremacists say things. I do want to hear all of it. Because if you don't know who you're fighting in a battle and what what weapons they're bringing, how do you even enter it? You know, it's like you said, Christian, Democrats constantly show up to, a, you know, bring a PowerPoint presentation to a knife fight. And it's it's an unending. Yeah.
1: And I can even feel it in myself. Like sometimes like when Fonnie Willis kind of like, like, really that many defendants? Like, oh, like, is that the smartest way? But blah, blah, blah. stop it. Stop right. it. Just let, them let do- the let the you know cases flow the way they're supposed to flow. I'm there are smarter people than me in charge of this. And let people do their jobs.
2: Uh, let yeah. people do their jobs because and I think this isn't actually the biggest real takeaway here is the system is only as good as the people who administer the system itself. Like mm-hmm. the people we place into power, the people we elect, these are the people that will be pulling the, the levers of justice and the gears of, of democracy and all that sort of stuff. If you put terrible people in charge of that, terrible things will happen and the gears will grind to a halt and things will fall apart because they're bad at it or they, or they actively don't want to. And I think Liz, your point of that the the, the MAGA cult doesn't care they, they, they want that. They actually are actively rooting now for the crimes, I think we've seen. And when you see and, and we can talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the debate that's coming up, which uh, we're recording before the debate happens. But Donald Trump is still is still the front runner for the Republican nomination. So I think if you're if you're a Democrat out there and there's a takeaway here, it's do not vote for Republicans. Just do not vote for Republicans for the next couple of elections. And that will fix this. That, that will flush. Them I out agree. Is, it's
1: the only thing that will fix this. It's the only thing that will fix it to, you know, lock the kid in the closet with the carton of cigarettes like that. Right. You know, that, you know, it's like they have, you know, that I'm sorry. You know, that that image of like the kid who smokes and so the parent puts like yeah. like they have to lose consistently so that the fence sitters, the ones who are willing to go along with Trumpism, who may not be dyed in the wool, you know, Lauren Bober types, it's like th- that they will realize, oh, this is no longer a path to success for us. Like we just can't win That's with right. this guy. And with yeah, this we
3: can't win. And also giving policies a long enough time to come to fruition. So they see the betterment of their lives because of the policies that the Republican Party constantly voted down or everything was just, you know, if that's the way it's going to be. I'm not sure uh, anybody ever I will, though. Also... I,
1: I, I think by the yeah, time it takes not. effect, they'll blame it on other things or they'll they'll be on to complaining about the next thing coming down the pike. It's I, I really believe that people think of the federal government as essentially useless to their lives. They think of it as almost like a national totem as like, like a, a sign of, of, of image they want to project to the world. But I think they think of governors and state governments as actually can, actually being accountable for their lives. That's why I think sometimes you'll see those Democratic governors, they'll break through in red states and things like that, because those people actually have to get shit done. But when it comes to president, I think people just want like, what is the face that I want representing America? And that's why I don't think they give a shit who, like, they don't care whether Trump is going to be effective. They don't care about his plans. They just want, they want the banner, they want America to be the face of Donald Trump and vice versa.
3: But I would also say, too, um, that in just being on the ground and doing the abortion work that I'm doing, um, watching these ballot initiatives overwhelmingly pass, but also watching these same people re-elect over and over, the people who are proposing these laws says to me that people have don't have a connection they have a there's a massive disconnect about who is doing what and what and what they believe in and so that confluence is a really hard thing when i look at kansas and i look at ohio and i look at missouri and i look at where these ballot initiatives are taking hold Mm -hmm. um it's astounding to me that the legislators, governors, on those statewide races, um, overwhelmingly the people still vote for them back into office. Well,
2: we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there, but uh, you know, make politics local again. I think is is really the <laughs> the big takeaway here is get get involved, know who uh, know who the people on the ground making the decisions are, and uh, and be active in your community for the things that you care about. But put good people. Just if you have the opportunity, put good people in power. Just just try it. Let's try that for a little bit. (laughs) proactive politicians. That's fun. Yeah. And people who believe in, you know, democracy would be nice. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with topic
4: number two.
2: An Indiana abortion ban has just taken effect after the state supreme court uh, denied a rehearing, um, and uh, this is—I think this was the first uh, ban that was put in place right after uh, the Dobbs decision. Um, and it's taken—it's taken a while to work itself uh, through the courts uh, at Indiana, but now they said, "Yep, go ahead." And uh, this is a real harbinger of uh, of doom for uh, for. Pro-choice uh, activists, but also just women in healthcare everywhere across the the, uh, the country, not just the state of Indiana. Um, Liz, you're in the trenches. Let's hear a little bit about what you've been doing and what this uh, what this means in Indiana, but also for the country as a whole.
3: Uh, you know, Indiana was one of the last holdout states in the Midwest. You know, it was very helpful. Um, it's now become the 13th, I think, state with a total abortion ban um for what that means for people is it means around 34 million people of reproductive age are living in a state without abortion care access to them um you know it 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 goes when you just said you know it it is a state states are deciding for all of us mississippi decided for all of us that roe v wade would be overturned that case right um and so i think um What's happening on two fronts is these abortion bans are wildly unpopular. So when you look at um, now as they're proposing them in states like Nebraska and states like Arkansas, um, and when the states have said this abortion ban is unpopular, they've tacked on trans care bills to them to get them through. So now they're using um, trans health care bans as a cudgel to get all of it through which is really depressing. And um, we just had the Indiana is a big story. But the biggest story that happened last week is the fact that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals um, has ruled to roll back the abortion pill to 2000, uh, the 2000 levels, which is seven weeks. um, And you have to have an in-person visit. Abortion medication is 53% of all abortions in our country, Um, it's going to go back to the Supreme Court so they can actually oversee uh, what the Fifth Circuit said and whether the plaintiffs have standing in this case. But that is a ruling that's very scary because that means that there's no safe haven states really for abortion. If there's a federal um, ban on Mifepristone, that means that if New York wants to dispense it, they have to dispense it within those federal rules. Um, And so... However, the Supreme Court rules, the one thing the FDA has in their pocket is the ability to say um, drugs that have not been um, approved in this way, um, that off-market use, it's called, um, they can dispense it for off-market use uh, if people want to. And then the FDA can go through the uh, rigorous process of um, expanding access all over again. It's a mess. Christian,
2: you know, a lot of times this comes up as, oh, but this is a women's issue or this is, you know, this is about, you know, women's health care and I'm a dude, either I don't have an opinion or I'll just, you know, let it play out. And, you know, what's your, what is your thinking on this? Is there a way that you see that uh, dudes can be Better allies are more active in it as opposed to just the dudes who are taking the, the rights away from from people.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's it's ironic you're bringing this up, considering that you felt the need to go to Liz first just because she's a woman with two plus decades of abortion activism. Like, you know, I, come on, whatever. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I, it, it is. You know, it's easy this is one of those topics where I mean I I've certainly talked to dudes who are just kind of like yeah I don't want to talk about that it's like ah eh, you know it's none of my business ah eh, you know it's like no it, it's now you may have gotten away with that ten years ago but it's now everybody's business and if you think that abortion is just about abortion I've got some news for you it it right. is probably the 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 biggest tool. You know, getting rid of abortion is probably the biggest tool of sort of returning culture back to some 1950s nonsense, which never existed in the first place. But but I mean, being on the sidelines about it is really not an option anymore. And I don't want to treat abortion as just like, oh, man, this is a great issue for Democrats, you know, because while that may be true, you know, it is – Horrible, and it's a tragedy. And I mean, when you were talking about shooting the moon earlier, I mean, this is that's what we're you know, this is the example that I always think about. Is that like they're in for a penny, and for a pound with this, and they will not stop. They will not stop. Like people think, like oh, you know, Kansas defeated, you know, the the you know, the Ohio defeated the ballot measure. We win. It's like no, they're in. They're all in 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 the the anti-abortion, you know, fascists. You know, which is I feel like the teeth has been taken out of that word at this point. But the anti-abortion fascists who are in this fight, they're in it. This they understand that this is their window, and I think that they're trying to do with reproductive health care what I think. Democrats were hoping would do with the Affordable Care Act in the sense that they they want to make it the, the the standard state of play so that people don't question it anymore. Like I think that was one of the th- – I'm sorry I'm being a little uh, – not being particularly acute here with my words. But a lot of the Republicans were saying like if we let Obamacare get through, people will start to expect it and you'll never be able to roll it back again. And I think that uh, conservatives – are trying to do that same thing in reverse. I think they're wrong. I don't think it functions the same way because young people will change it. Uh, but but I think that their thinking is, this is our window to really lock it in that abortion is illegal, and then people will just come to accept that that is the natural state of things. And... This will be the state of play for the next thirty years. I think they're wrong, it's, but that's it's the funny
2: that you bring up the politics of it, though, um, because in Iowa uh, already they've done polling, and uh, Republicans seem to be split on the issue. And I'll just speak anecdotally because I know some I know some Republicans who who talk to me, um, and uh, again, unscientific, but every one of them now they don't disagree with the abortion ban. Let's be clear about that. They support you know the the. The anti abortion sort of philosophy and, and those policies. What they seem to be upset about is how it's affecting them politically. To a person, every Republican that talks about this talks about the overreach that the Supreme Court has really screwed them because it's bringing out Democratic voters and it's keeping their voters at home because it's unpopular. Yeah. And how, another da- word for how unpopular. How dare they give up the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and unpopular in, I don't know, a democracy it seems to be not a winning strategy when you're trying to ram through policies that uh, nobody likes. Um, so. It's just interesting to me that a lot of the Republican view of it is like, hey, we were doing a great job when it was technically legal, but we could sort of come up with the gamesmanship on the state level or locally get rid of it and fight it that way. But now you brought it out for all the world to see, and we look like assholes, and nobody likes that.
3: But but I just want to be really clear on a couple things, and that is Christian – What you said is exactly correct, and I just want to yes-and it a little bit, where the anti-abortion movement has organized around this issue since the day after Roe v. Wade in 1973, and Democrats Mm -hmm. have a gigantic role in why we are here. I cannot tell you how many times I have been told... To be quiet. It's a wedge issue. People don't know. So when you talk about Republicans being like looking at the horse race, that's the only way that Democrats have talked about it either. They don't talk to people who've had abortions, they don't create proactive legislation that would actually expand access to the care. They have been the reason that we're here is because nobody in politics changed anything. Providers and activists mm. and people who've had abortions have been forced to come forward and tell their story. And and we've talked about and used the right wing's language for so long, our side, that we don't even know how to talk about it as a community good, as a moral good, mm. as things that people have to make life better. You know, and so it's like working on two fronts of these people are assholes who commit these bans, but where our side has been actively telling people who are working in the movement to be quiet. And shut, and shut up about it.
2: Well, and it's, you know, you, you mentioned that and all of a sudden there are these stories that come out as soon as these bans went into effect or people, uh, doctors got scared because they're in states where they're, they're, now there's these onerous laws and lawsuits. All of a sudden, just, just, you know, families, women who got pregnant, who went in for a procedure, can't get a life-saving procedure because it might be misconstrued as an abortion or yeah. maybe they need the abortion, but there's all these ripple effects that, they say, "Are oh, but these were unintended consequences." But they're not unintended right. consequences. These were always the consequences of the anti-abortion movement. This was this. You know, it starts with that because that was a, as you said, people were afraid to talk
3: about it politically. Right. Well, and there's the two. There to in in sort of the work we've done in in, in the broadest of strokes. There's sort of these two different camps of anti-abortion people. Right. There's the fat cats mm-hmm. who would pay for an abortion for their mistress who use abortion as a way to raise money, stay on the platform would vote for the bills, but would never read the bills. And so the dog, Mm -hmm. the dog caught that car and they, and I, and they are like, Oh, people are dying. I I guess I didn't realize that, but we discount the second group that have as much power, have as much, uh, skin in the game in state legislatures and those are the people who are the true believers who think that if you have an abortion you should get the death penalty i sat in georgia two weeks ago mm. on the steps of the capitol and watched 500 activists come onto the capitol with with state legislators begging for a bill and there's 13, 18 states that have some sort of bill whether it's in committee or gone through that say um Abortion is murder in all cases, and anybody who has an abortion, anybody who aids somebody who has an abortion, performs one, should be prosecuted to the highest extent. And those people are no joke, and um and they are really dominating the conversation, and because of gerrymandering, dominating, getting those bills written, and are funded up the waz by um. You know the the Alec version of the anti-abortion movement, Americans United for Life, and these other organizations, and it's terrifying. Don't write them off as crackpots because they are not. In fact, mm-hmm. r- understand that anti-abortion uh, corporatists mm-hmm. um, don't even understand how horrible these people are. Uh, well, let me let me.
1: <laughs> wrap this up on. So
3: sorry, positive. I know that was like a whole lot of words, well, no, because, no, but I think it's important. You're right.
1: I mean, it, it but it, it does sort of take your breath away slightly when you realize the force of hatred that you're really up against with some of yeah. these people. You know, yeah.
2: and in the long term commitment, as you said, this this was a day one thing. You know, people. You know, we we might remember the you know, Bork, you know, people got Borked, uh, you know, and they, yeah. they always do that. And when, when Kavanaugh was, uh, was confirmed, they brought, they brought Bork out because he was, he was the face of what the Democrats had prevented, you know, them from, from getting on the Supreme court. And people forget that it was his, it wasn't his role in Watergate and his role in, in, uh, the Nixon administration, the criminality there, it was his stance, his, his staunch, anti-abortion stance which was unpopular and somehow he wasn't
3: even a rapist
2: he was was just a normal anti-abortion judge Um, but 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 people forget how long they've held on to that that didn't go away for them and and there is that element of they've been It's a long-term strategy, but I know that you, Liz, uh, are doing something about that. So I want to end. I want to wrap this up on a positive note and a call to action. Tell us about your organization. Tell us about what you're doing and how we can we can also get involved. Because I find it actually very empowering um, at at a time when it feels like. But how do we stop all these things from happening? I know you're doing something about it. It feels
3: like there's a lot. It It feels like it's a lot. And I also just want to say too to. To men, I feel like we did a disservice. I mean, I think when the movement started, uh, women were just saying to men, like, please don't say anything because we just really need you to, to not say anything. And I think as we've evolved, we can't fight this on our own. And like I say to every dude, like if you're not married to the first person you had sex with and you know, you're know you thriving and, and you have kids with somebody you love, it's probably because of abortion and birth control. So like that's your, you got to get in the game, right? For your own destiny and for your own stuff, right? But what we do about it is a couple of things. I have an organization called Abortion Access Front. Um, We have a bunch of programmatic work. I would say if you're like freaking out and like, I don't know what to do, please don't tell me to march again without any plans. Right. Um, We have a great program called Operation Save Abortion. It's a five-part series that we recorded that comes with a toolkit so you can watch a 45-minute video of the most amazing people doing all different kinds of work in the abortion movement. You'll learn about reproductive justice. You'll learn how you could be an activist with um, helping out independent clinics, uh, abortion funding, uh, direct action, and legislative and policy work. So I highly suggest get together with some friends. Um, take, Take two months. Watch each one of those five, uh, one of those five in the series, do the workbook with your friends. And it gives you an overview of what's out there of how you can be helpful. And then helps you identify where you might fit in. And then you sign up to volunteer and we'll hook you up. We'll vet, we have to vet you. So there's a little form you fill out and we'll vet you. And then we'll hook you up locally of where you live. And then there's, um, all sorts of national things you can do too on operationsaveabortion.com. There's also an activist calendar that's chock full of events and you can look in your area and see what's happening. So I'm just going to give you that because there's a lot, but if you go to aafront.org, there is a ton of stuff to do on top of that as well.
1: All
2: right, Fake the Nation, you heard her, get on it. And topic number three.
1: Don't you want to hear about my organization? I do. I do. Christian, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, it's uh, it's basically just a few of us. We hang out at a Chipotle once a week, and uh, we just say like, uh, "What have you guys been watching lately?" And we just talk about TV shows we've been watching. And um, you can a you lot can of find suits us. talk. You can find us at x dot com.
3: <laughs> that seems amazing. I feel like you know what, Christian. Thank you.
1: Hey, I'm. It's anything to be an ally.
3: Thank you. I mean, I'm just like overwhelmed with gratitude. Topic number three. <laughs>
2: we read a, uh, an article uh, in The Times about um, the oversharing uh, problem with Venmo. Uh, we might be oversharing. Um, and uh, those of us who have used any sort of uh, social media or any apps on our phones probably weren't too surprised that our privacy is being violated here. But um, a lot of people don't set their Venmos to private. So all their transactions are public um, but other information that they you know, probably weren't thinking about, like who they talk to, their contact lists, all the things in their phones, you know, they give these apps access to it and people can publicly search it. So, uh, Christian, uh, do you, one, do you use Venmo and uh, are you surprised by this invasion of privacy? <laughs>
1: um, I only pay for things with the stores of gold. I have bought <laughs> off, purchased from webuygold.com. Uh, I I do use Venmo, and I have not bothered to set mine to private. I <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I know I know I'm not underestimating. How- all, everything you say, I, I understand that that is what's going on, but I don't use Venmo hardly ever except to just get payment for sets or, you know, if I'm repaying somebody because we went to a movie and they sets bought the ticket. Sets with a T, by the way. This isn't a sets. Matt Gaetz situation. Yeah, no, so. uh, no. And hey, no, nothing wrong with that. Uh, well, him. but <laughs> Okay, I'm getting weird. No, here.
3: there are things wrong. with you. Yes,
1: there's wrong. Yes, yes. I, just wanna, I
3: would like to correct the – for the audience on this show – I do would like to say.
1: I'm just saying, for the pro-sex working... Anyway, moving on.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, just the under. Okay, this has gotten to a weird thing. Let us pray. Anywho, um, I don't... I do like playing that silly little game of if I do have to send a friend of mine, like, $10 to repay him for a movie ticket or something. Oh, $10, what is this, 1994? Uh, $400 to repay for a movie ticket. I do like sending the the joke memo Mm -hmm. you know that you know just putting like erotic back rub or something like that in the you know just in the case that anybody's scrolling but um that's a joke for nobody except for me you know like you'll send somebody 20 bucks and you'll write tickle fight in the memo liz do
2: you ever scroll through your friend's venmo history to see what they've been paying for
3: I'm so busy. That is the fucking... I I don't even... uh, (laughs) Who is that kind of time? Like, honestly, if you've scrolled all of your... If you're literally the saddest person in the world who's like, I've looked at everything. I've scrolled Spoutable. I've scrolled Blue Sky. Everything. We're at the end. And now I'm going to scroll somebody's Venmo. Just... Are you counting the slices of pizza? No. My Venmo's been private since the beginning. I don't want people to know my... Also, it's only because... My bank account's attached to it. Is the only, is like why that is why I don't have it public, right? Because I'm like I don't I don't know if something were to happen and I don't know could people just whatever access it, but probably they could anyway. I'm sure, whatever. Have we gotten? I mean, it, didn't it, it, Clarence it, Thomas use Venmo? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's
2: how he bought. <laughs> that's how one of his friends. Yeah, I think uh, Harlan Crow Venmoed him a yacht.
1: And a, and a camper. <laughs> he didn't even, yeah. But in, in the memo, he just had a picture of a boat. It was just yeah, it was just emoji, a picture of a, a boat, boat and then
3: whatever the Walmart icon was. The, <laughs> the You know, Harlan Crowe's yacht is called the SSSS. <laughs> 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 that, is, that is my joke about Harlan Crowe's yacht. <laughs> oh, it's Thank funny
2: because much. he's a Nazi. Um, yeah. So or at least an enthusiast. Well, but this this actually brings up the point of, like, does it matter that people can see the history of things? Because I feel like, our privacy data has become sort of white noise. We've become used to, everybody just knows everything. I've signed away my rights. I've signed away my privacy. Uh, we, we we live in an online society where to even, to, to get simple transactions done, just if you want to pay bills now, you you, you got to sign up online and give away all your stuff. We walk around with a, a privacy invasion in our
1: phones. I do uh, think there's a, there's a hiding in plain sight aspect to it yeah. that it's just like, there's so much... Info. It's like, if you're able to isolate the, you know, one transaction I made, you know, that I got paid for a Thursday night set at Eastville Comedy Club in 2022. God bless you. (laughs) You know,
3: I feel like it's more for just like, mentally ill petty people who are looking to see who is eating without them is their boyfriend, Exes, what yeah. does this mean? What is my ex doing? Where are they, sh- where are they splitting a thing? Like, I feel like that's what someone scrolling through Venmo ha- has some deep, either like needs help on some level.
1: Yeah. I, I wonder if um that the whole, I always wondered why does that, why is the public thing even an option? Like what is the purpose of it? And I think it may be performative, Mm. I think it's so that people can show people look at what I am spending money on or look at right. who's paying me. It's it's right. same it's like it's like poetry everybody writing it nobody reading it.
3: That feels really sad.
1: <laughs> but you know you, it you
3: really <laughs> I mean, That's really that sad that's that's where we're Social capital <laughs> just where we're by at. their pizza
1: splitting. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's the way the rest of the world works. I'm not sure why Venmo would be excluded. I, that
3: makes Monetary, sense, inst- I'm that.
0: monetary
2: <laughs> Instagram of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, look who I had pizza with. But this brings up uh, another article that we actually read in, in self.com about canceling plans with friends. And Liz, you just, you know, you mentioned like, you know, you're going through and you see who's doing what with whom. And sometimes, you know, I'm sure we've all had that moment of like, oh, I—they said that they weren't around tonight, and but uh, here you are, clinking drinks, or you're—you just went and saw, you know, you did a Barbenheimer day without me. Uh, have you, have you, have you run into that? And then on the flip side, have you, have you had to cancel plans with friends and found a way that it is that is socially acceptable to to let them down easy?
3: You mean like and not post on the internet? And not about post it? on the
2: internet about it. <laughs>
3: I mean, sometimes I just um, don't post on the like I um, I I often and you know me well enough to know this is fairly true. I don't I usually enjoy my friends like I forget to take photos of a night out or <laughs> I like to be in the moment. Right. So I'm not somebody who posts my whole life every time I'm having dinner with a friend or let's make sure we get a selfie like I often forget that. Um, and so, but I have had friends who I know would be, why didn't you invite me to that concert? And if I went with somebody else or whatever, um, that I just chose to not do anything about it online (laughs) because I knew that there would just be blowback about that stuff. But I also don't cancel plans. I just don't make them. (laughs) You just, best way to
2: cancel plans is not to make them.
1: (laughs) I I found that like, you know, I just turned 50 and I, I think when you get to a certain age, you've never been lonelier and in more need of interaction with friends and never less likely to actually follow through on it. It's like a weird combination where it's like, I really miss seeing people But no, that's okay. (laughs) But the work (laughs) involved to do that is too much. (laughs) Well,
3: (laughs) I have to tell you, I just, a couple years ago, I bought a house in Minnesota with two of my best friends from here. Um, It was a childhood family home of a friend of mine's that went up for sale. And we've known each other for a really long time. And their children are out of the house. You know, we're all adults. And um, it's been very helpful for just like hanging out, having yeah. people over. Um, and and it's kind of a new way of thinking about that very thing, Christian, of like, who am I what am I doing? Um, we remind ourselves all the time of people or if they're inspired to invite some people over, um, then I'm like have the added bonus of we share the same friend. So it's like, oh, great. Now I didn't have to plan that thing. That's and great. then same with me. So it's been a really – Great um, way to combat the loneliness in a way that I hadn't expected, but it's really welcome.
1: Yeah, it's like like roommate. It's like your roommate years, except without any of the crap that you associate with that phase of your life. With grown adults,
3: everyone has enough money to pay for the food. Yeah, like no, everybody's got their space in the house. Everybody, nobody wants to live in garbage. People drink good booze. Like there's things that are happening. That really makes sense. And, um. Yeah. And also, it's like really the casual nice hanging space. out
1: that happens in those situations yes. where it's just like, hey, let's go grab a slice or whatever, you know, or like, yes. you know, what are you doing? Like, as opposed to like texting somebody 15 times. And I actually think that texting culture has contributed to people bailing on plans because yeah. planning things seems so fucking labor intensive now. And there's just the back and the forth. And like, you know, instead of the 30 second phone call where we could hash all this out, there's everybody staring at their phones 10 times and it just gets exhausting. I a thousand percent agree. I think there is a
2: texting tipping point where there is like you can you can chart like the exact text when the plan will get broken. Like <laughs> there's like a certain yeah, yeah. number of texts and like you're hit like that's it. This
1: this thing is not happening. it, it <laughs> usually like, starts with, so are we still doing this? Yeah. Like, or something
2: it's like. like, wait, did you want me to bring the like, yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. We're out. Um guys, this has been a real treat and the time has flown by and this brings us to the end we're done this is so
3: great to talk with both of you we
1: have faked the nation we have the nation isn't faked we have faked faked the fuck out of this nation guys uh uh, i I I,
3: am ai (laughs) 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 that's how fake this is
2: (laughs) so fake uh liz where can people find you
3: Well, um, you can find me on all the socials at Liz Winstead. I spell my name with two Z's. Uh, You can find Abortion Access Front at Abortion Front. But the offices are closed until after Labor Day for a much needed rest. But go there for all your activism, all your abortion news. And I have a podcast called Feminist Buzzkills that uh, drops every Friday. It is all you need to know about what's happening in the world of reproductive health rights and justice with the most amazing providers and activists and um, legal scholars out there telling you stories with a lot of snark and plenty of funny.
2: And Christian, I know you're on X uh, talking about shows with your friends. So where yeah, can they find you there and, and and where are you going to be? And
1: at Chipotle, Chipotle on <laughs> 31st Chipotle. Street in Astoria, <laughs> uh, right off the Dittmar stop. You can uh, meet me there. Um, I, ha- You can find me, I'm all the socials, I'm at Christ Finnegan. And uh, I have uh, five albums on iTunes, and my my latest special, uh, Show Your Work, is streaming on uh, Amazon Prime, a Prime video, rather. And if you are, I I write a newsletter uh, called New Music for Olds, which is basically where I I recommend new music to people who are too tired and past trying to find it themselves. Oh, my God, Uh, I'm
3: on that. I did not know that, and now I know that, and I'm so excited.
1: Newmusicforolds.substack.com.
2: My 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 Gen X just like increased mm-hmm. triple fold. I, this is yeah. I've been doing it incredible. for a year
1: and a half now. It's uh, I'm I'm actually on slightly on the hiatus until Labor Day, but uh, I may I may squeak one in anyway. But yeah, new music for
2: Fantastic. Uh I'm on the socials at Benari Lee Instagram, the whatever X is, uh, I guess I'm on Blue Sky now. Uh spoutable the whole whatever. I sign up for more uh social media as I post less and
1: less because, you know, yeah, the we, the returns we, are past diminishing at this point. <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know what? That's how that's how we connect with one another. So uh so find everyone. Um hope you've enjoyed this show. Uh, Nagin will be back, of course, next week. Um, Don't forget to tune in to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me uh, to hear her guest hosting this week. And uh, there you can get, uh, I'm sure they'll have a lot to say about uh, the upcoming Republican debate this week. Uh, I want to make sure that I thank Gabby Alter for the theme music, uh, our show's producer, the incredible Andrew McGuire. Uh, I want to thank all the folks at Headgum for helping to make this show possible. Uh, and again, Nagin, we'll be back in your earballs next week.
0: That was a Headgum podcast.